This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Maruyama. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. I am your host, Mark Morris, and with me, as always, Mr. Jared Maruyama. Jared? Yes, sir. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. How are you? So something completely unrelated oh. and it just to this podcast, to this episode intro, actually. Um, but as I'm re-recording, we have video on. My face is like super dark in the video and yours is very bright yes ha, there's california's doing this what are the they're gonna get rid of potentially the daylight savings time oh i don't know is that true that, that always seems to come up oh, every man. year i thought you would have known about this i mean it seems like it's always a discussion that they're moving towards well they're actually it. putting it up it's going to be voted on hmm. to do away with it or not so real quick before we jump into this episode how topical would you be would you be pro daylight savings time or i mean i don't know how to ask the question but you know what i'm trying to ask I, uh, it <laughs> seems like an old thing like an antiquated thing so i think i don't know might as well get rid of it i it it, it could set everything off if everybody doesn't do it. You know what I mean? It's right. But it's it would be darker earlier throughout the year. That's the it's not going to be right. 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 So uh, you would rather have it darker. I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, I work at home in my cave. I don't it doesn't make a huge difference to me. So for people that love the daylight and need that uh, after work light, I think maybe I guess that that affects them. But probably I don't I don't care. Yeah, I, I love the darkness, so I'm all for getting early, <laughs> earlier all year round. What do you mean you love the darkness? You prefer it dark? Uh, I, yeah, I like nighttime. I don't like heat, yeah. and I don't yeah. like the sun, and which is bizarre is why why I chose to live in Southern California. Well, you grew up here. You, um, didn't, you didn't have much of a choice, but I agree. I, I dislike the heat. I and the main thing is because I don't like dressing for hot weather. I prefer yes. dressing for fall yes. all the time. I love I love being layered and jacketed and sweater weather. That's all. That's the best. Because you don't really wear but shorts, right? Other than to the gym. No, never. Now, how I own one pair of shorts I, and I wear it maybe ten times. A I don't year. want to go off on a tangent here. We might edit this all out. But what? How come? I think your younger generation kind of doesn't like shorts. What's up with that? I don't have an answer for that. So you just no never idea. liked shorts or did you just turn on them all of a sudden? Um, I mean, did you used to wear shorts to high school or, or things like that or then decide? Not I mean, to? I've it's not that I, I've always worn them, but I just don't wear them regularly. You're kind of always in denim, even when it's super hot yeah. at Disneyland. You're in <laughs> dark denim. You know, it's funny because yep. one of the first times when we when I saw you, uh, that was one of the first things you said to me. Do you remember that? No. I came out wearing shorts. Oh, you're a short guy. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you're you're a shorts guy. Just immediately made me self-conscious about wearing shorts. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I guess I'm a shorts guy. I had to go look up on the internet. Why do young people hate shorts? <laughs> so thank I'm glad you. That stuck with yeah, you. Thank you for that. <laughs> All right. Well, what, let, let's talk about Toys. our this actual episode. Yes. Um. Yes. So. 
Our guest on today's episode is Miguel Wilson of Rad Retro Power. I, you know, obviously Jared and I are toy fans and we collect toys. If you've listened to, it's probably safe to say any, yes. any episode we've talked about toys or collecting in some capacity. And it was really cool to have another, not only is Miguel a toy collector, but he works in the toy industry and gets to create um, a lot of cool toys and products. Um, so it was really cool to, to have somebody give a different perspective on this culture that we really love. Definitely. And uh, I don't know that we talked about it much in the actual episode, but how did you come across this Michael Jackson toy? Because that's really why he's on this show. It's because you love that Michael <laughs> Jackson toy. But how did you come across it? So I actually had been like... I didn't know this, but and we talked about this a little bit in the the episode. But I purchased a shirt that featured his illustrations oh, and his okay. design of uh, Michael Jackson, and because of that, I started following him. And just in my feed, uh, I, he was promoting the the Michael Jackson figure, and I knew, you know, we had a booth at Decon, mm-hmm. so it was more difficult to run around to different booths and I didn't have a chance to go there first thing because we had our own booth and it sold out. I, I think he said in 30 minutes. So there's, yes. I basically had no chance. Did you know it. how few were going to be available? No, I had no idea. All I knew is that I saw pictures of it. Um, and I thought it was a really cool design and I really wanted it. And then, um, so I didn't know it sold out so quickly but he was walking around uh, decon floor mm-hmm. before I think the second day, and I I recognized him from his post and stuff, and I stopped him and was like, "Oh, you're the Michael Jackson guy," <laughs> um, and I asked him about the the figure. Unfortunately, he told me that it sold out, so I was bummed. But we were able to connect and kind of start a little relationship, and we talked about you know art, design, toys, Michael Jackson. Um, and I told, we were already doing the podcast at that time. So I kind of gave him an open invitation to come on the show and, you know, fast forward eight months later, I finally, we were finally able to connect, um, and schedule time to get him on. Uh, He seems like a busy guy. So since recording this, I did see, he posted an Instagram live thing where he was in uh, Las Vegas looking at the the toy parts. So it's really interesting, uh, to talk to, Talk to him on there and see sort of some of the behind the scenes productions. We go into it quite a bit in this episode, um, but look at his website and his Instagram. And you can see sort of everything we're talking about, and he shares a lot of process. So it's pretty it's pretty cool to see. Um, but are you going to try and get this uh, this new one this time around? Uh, Is that I'm why he's sure. on the show? So that maybe you can sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna do what I can to get this uh, Michael Jackson figure for sure. I, I think he said this, this is again a really limited run, mm-hmm. so it'll probably equally as difficult to get it. Um, but if he kind of hinted at maybe they're doing a pre-order, so you can get it. Oh. Uh, they'll make as many as they the pre-order is. I don't know, but you know, yeah, I'm gonna keep my eyes open for sure and see uh, if I can get my hands on one finally. Yeah, so I'm excited we'll see to what see happens. what they do. I, it looks like he, he's going to do a lot of fun stuff, so I'm excited to see what comes next. 
Yeah, it's he, he's a super nice guy. Very and nice guy. Super, super knowledgeable in all things toys. Um, we talked to him for at least an hour afterwards <laughs> about toys, even more toy talk. Um, so we might we might have to have him back for a toy talk episode. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think so. Um, but I think that's enough rambling. We we talk a lot about toys in this yeah. one, so get ready. Um, here is the episode with Miguel Wilson. Enjoy. Welcome to the Squared Co. Podcast. Our first time guest, Mr. Miguel Wilson. What's going on, Miguel? Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me, first and foremost. And yeah, so I, I was actually, I should have typed this out and had, so for those of you who don't know who aren't following Miguel already, he is a busy man. He is <laughs> an illustrator. He's a toy designer. He's an excellent dancer. Um, <laughs> there's, I have to say, I love your pop and lock videos that you do with your Thanos glove. (laughs) I think I've probably rewatched that post a dozen times and it's, it's fun every single time. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fun to uh, mess around from time to time just to break all the, uh, sometimes daily work stresses and, uh, break, uh, you know, cut a rug. (laughs) what was that what was that from though like why why did you have like where are you it's such a it's an interesting video (laughs) so many questions so many questions it's almost confusing but yeah why don't you tell the story give us us some context let's dive right in so let let me just start then with one uh i was at work i was at a multiverse studio where i work uh Mm -hmm. my job during the day uh you know five days a week Uh, i work there as manager and um Two, the Infinity Gauntlet is, uh, <laughs> I found at Best Buy at, uh, and it was this awesome Marvel Legends made, uh, you know, prop replica looking Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, and okay. I was just, uh, I was with a coworker of mine on a lunch break, actually. So it was, you know, work time <laughs> kind of was, it was related during work time. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I should pick this up and uh, just mess around with it, post some stuff on Instagram because it was like a week or two before, uh, Infinity War dropped. Mm-hmm. So right. we were all excited, like, yeah, yeah, I should do that. Let's get it. So I got the Infinity Gauntlet and went back to work that day. And that, towards the end of the day, I uh, actually had a coworker just start filming me while I had some music playing <laughs> off of our TV at work and just started getting down. So that's kind of where the – that's the simplified version of everything that kind of went down that day. So that's what I came about. <laughs> What's fantastic and confusing about it is you're in a glass room. Now, <laughs> so it looks like you're like in the movies where they have prisoners, you know, in those special right. glass rooms. Right. Yeah. Like high. Uh, yeah. It's like fantastic. Prisons, like in Avengers Civil War. I mean, something yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's why I, that's, that's actually our conference room. Okay. At, uh, Multiverse. But yeah, we, uh, we have a really interesting, really fun soundproof conference room that, uh, <laughs> soundproof well, it's, it's not technically super soundproof. Obviously you can hear on the other side right, of it, right, but right. there's some cancellation, but, uh, yeah, we uh, have a fun conference room. That's, uh, you know, it's a glass room and we have a meeting in there and we host guests sometimes in there and have meetings with them. So it's, it's fun. It's, f- I, I remember when this first, when you first posted this, I had seen this, I think cause of Mark actually, but, um, <laughs> I remember I, I'm not that deep into Marvel, so I'm like, hmm, 
Maybe there's something I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, those are actually Thanos moves that he was replicating. I'm like, Thanos yeah, in a glass moves. room all the time. And like, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah. Do it. What's so going on the, with it? The yeah. dancing was fantastic. I thought. Thank you. I'm a, I'm a big fan of like the, the replica props. Uh, like more specifically, I really like helmets. Right. So like I, I've got, I don't know. You can't see it, but behind me, I've got a Darth Vader helmet. I've got um, the red and green Power Ranger helmets. Awesome. Uh, downstairs, I've got more stuff. But <clears throat> I saw the Thanos glove, and so I'm a big fan of the Marvel superhero movies, but I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Thanos. But that glove is so freaking cool. It's like it, it's giant hand, but it moves your fingers like when yeah you pull triggers on underneath or something. Every time I see it, I'm super tempted to get it and just play around with it. No, I would not be doing anything nearly as cool as you uh, <laughs> with the glove on. But I, I like to tell myself that the power of the Infinity Gauntlet would give me better yeah. uh, dance moves. So yeah. only one way to find out, really. Um, but it's um, so let, let's let's jump back a little bit. Um, okay. Let's go back to how. And, you know, this can be for Jared and me as well. When did your I'm going to go on a limb here and say that you've been a fan of toys and collecting your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Entire life. How did this start? Do you remember um, some of like your early childhood toys um, and pop culture things that you were interested in yeah. as you were growing up? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, everything went hand in hand with um, what I know we'll discuss more later too is like um dance which is like michael jackson cartoons mm -hmm. uh comics movies all these things as a kid um might have an older sister as well and a lot of older cousins i was around so i myself uh grew up uh kind of in the very tail end of the 80s action figure um era as well as cartoons and early mm -hmm. 90s so um <clears throat> I was catching the reruns of, you know, He-Man and Thundercats and G.I. Joe as far back as I can remember. And I was going into that, that great Fox series of X-Men, Spider-Man. Um, then you got the Batman animated series. That was the, that was the childhood I was living right there with all this stuff. And mm -hmm. toys, if you remember back then, that, I mean, that was like, that was the coolest thing for everyone, whether it was, you know, He-Man figures, Thundercats, Transformers, um, you know, Batman, Spider-Man, all of that. So uh, for myself, I was, since I was as far back as I can remember, I was a collector of, you know, whatever I could, uh, you know, ask my parents to get and whatever they were willing to buy for me yeah. at the time. Um, I wouldn't say I was super spoiled, but I did have, you know, <laughs> I had a fair amount of a collection as of when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, sure. Do you remember, were you, would you only get toys or ask for the toys that you were a fan of the cartoon uh, or would you go down the aisles and be like, oh, this character looks cool. Right. Or this toy, the way it works. Were you a fan of just the toys and the figures in general? Or did you have to be a fan of the the franchise or the TV show or movie? I would say uh, the TV shows and movies took me into the toy aisle because I wanted, you know, everything was magical right. to me. I mean, the mm -hmm. cartoons, the movies, I wanted to have something I could play with as a kid or, you know, I could feel in my hands and I wasn't, I, you know, all of us, some people did wish they could have kept things in packages when we were little, but that wasn't me. I mean, I took everything out. I played with everything yeah. as a kid. And uh, to answer your question, though, like, 
there was, I know there's instances where I saw something really cool and I was like, uh, and the great example would be, um, the muscle men, the little figurines. I always thought mm-hmm. those were cool little characters just to keep in my pocket or even like mm-hmm. micro machines. Cause you know, you could take them anywhere. And I didn't really know much about those, but that was a toy or something that caught my eye that I was like, you know what? This is cool. I want one of these. Um, but aside from that, usually mm-hmm. it was, uh, I know hands down Ninja Turtles. Uh, anything with Michael Keaton, Batman. I remember going to the show to see that, you know, those Batman. I was Beetlejuice as a kid, you know, when I was in second grade. I think I was the only Beetlejuice in my school. Like, no one was really watching Beetlejuice. (laughs) This is like cartoon. Was this the the cartoon? cartoon? Oh, okay. This is like right after the movie. Yeah. Cause I was, I actually had seen the movie. Yeah. And then, uh, same thing with, uh, you know, going off on tangent, same thing with Wolverine. I was, uh, X-Men's, uh, Fox from the Fox cartoon. I was Wolverine. My aunt Uh, made my costume. that cartoon series. Yeah. It was, so all of that, like, I think that had a big effect on me on what I wanted to collect and play with, to answer your question, yeah. Mm. Uh, Jared, I know um, what you're into for toys now, but I'll ask you somewhat of a different question. Do you remember what like one of your favorite toys was when you were growing up? If you could pick one oh. or maybe like a group of them. That's so hard. Uh, so the millennium, <laughs> getting the Millennium Falcon was a huge, huge thing because it, it was very expensive Milestone. back then. And I wasn't expecting to get it. And, and uh, an aunt had just got it for us sort of out of the I mean, it was for Christmas, but it was such an expensive thing that it was a surprise. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the few things I think that really sort of impacted that I remember being very excited about uh, about getting because, uh, you know, my parents were like, I, I think we've talked about this before, but they were terrible about understanding the toys. I think most parents are right. Like, so. Oh, still. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, so, you know, for Christmas one year, they gave us the twin pod cloud car, you know, not, not bad, but not, not the first toy that you'd put <laughs> on your list of star Wars toys right. to get. So, uh, so to get something like that was, was huge, but um, I was always big on, if I liked the cartoon, if I liked the movie, then I wanted the thing. I wanted all mm. the things. So uh, it's yeah. always around how much I liked that, that franchise very rarely did I gravitate towards a toy that was just sort of generic or, you know, not tied to some kind of show. And I think that's still with me today. Whereas I love seeing, especially with the animation, when they bring a 2d mm-hmm. thing into the three dimensional world or the four dimensional world, I guess, I don't know. Um, yeah. I I'm fascinated by that. I love that. And if they do it well, I mean, even when we were little, like, Things like with the Yoda Star Wars figure having an orange snake around its neck, I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why? Why would they do that? Like, there's <laughs> right. a million other things they could have done. Why would they do that? You know. So, right. <laughs> I, even from that, I was been very critical about like how they do it and, and things like that. So that that has not changed. I think that has still fuels my love of of what makes a good toy or product. Right. I think so. I have a similar story. It's nothing extravagant it'll go really quick so i'll say it but similar to you jared um i actually remember this extremely well this was for my let's see i was in fourth grade so i was probably like 10 or 11 my birthday which might be an age when you're starting to grow out of these toys (laughs) and i maybe shouldn't have been so excited to get this never but this is when the um the special edition star wars were coming back into theaters (laughs) so they had like a I think it was Power of the Force at that time was the the line of Star Wars toys. I remember that, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. The chunky. But for my birthday that year, I went to see uh, whatever the, the last um, installment was at the time, or the latest one. I think it was Return of the Jedi. 
But anyways, I saw the movie and for my birthday as a gift, I got the Millennium Falcon and I was so freaking excited because that's like the ship for the Star Wars series. Like that's the the biggest one. Oh, by far. It's, yeah. It's so cool. Um, and I spent the like the entire night. It was a school night, too. So this was a big deal putting all the stickers on and assembling the thing. Um, but yeah, that was that's probably my most like memorable toy. Um, yeah, we were talking. So. I was talking about this with Dave Pryor because do you remember at Toys R Us back in the old days? Uh, they used to put the big toys up on sort of like a like a board, like they would yeah. be high up, like out of the box and assembled, so you could see what it looked like. Uh, but it, you mm. couldn't touch it. It would be like high above <laughs> you, so you could just sort of point at it and drool over it as a kid. But I, I remember we'd just go to like look at the toys. You know, like you wouldn't even get something every time, but you'd had to go like look. And everything and see what's coming out and you know no internet back then so you didn't you had to go to a store to to actually see right. what was there so miguel was there a particular toy for you that was sort of either impactful or emotional when you got it like that you remember let's see i'd have to say uh, i was one of the kids that got pretty pretty into uh, mighty more from power rangers when that came out okay <laughs> <laughs> and um it Jared was, knows absolutely nothing about Power Rangers. Right. And uh, <laughs> I, um, I can say that uh, it was one of those things at my school that it was a, I feel like it was a bold thing to admit that you liked Power Rangers because it was one of those things at elementary school that no one wanted to discuss or talk about. Kind of in general, I think, with comics and cartoons <laughs> back in the day where it was like, yeah. you're just, you know, an odd oddball if you like this stuff and you admit it, you know. But I feel mm -hmm. like everyone went home and watched cartoons and power rangers but that's another story <laughs> yeah yeah but um yeah to get to get back to the question i think um watching the show power rangers and seeing the figures and the the, the zords for the for mega for megazord was like the really cool thing for me to get a hold of it was a gift as well and um back then it was really hard to find specific power ranger toys you know, they were, it was like yes. the turbo man doll and jingle all the way it was just flying <laughs> they were flying off the shelves right yeah so getting yeah, getting the you know their all the Rangers and the Zords, I think uh, all those toys were pretty. Um, they were uh, they meant a lot, and they were really fun to play with as a kid. And it's something I specifically remember really enjoying. So, how do you remember how old you were when you got that? I was uh, let's see, Rangers got were came out I think around ninety two, maybe ninety three era. Correct me if I'm wrong, Martin, but I think it. So I was probably about seven. Seven. Oh, okay. Yep, Six that's about seven. the right age, I think. I think that's like one of the impactful ages. Yeah. yeah so. I remember th when those toys came out too, um, my mom had to take me around because I bugged the crap out of her to get these Power Ranger toys. And uh -huh. every single Target or toy store we went to, they all they had left was like a, the putty figure, yeah. the stupid <laughs> putties, and then um, maybe like a, like a one-episode villain. Right. And I was super bummed out. I think finally we were able to find a toy store that had an actual Power Ranger. And it was like, I think it was a pink or yellow. One of the female Rangers, when like, you know, when you're a little boy, you want to play as the Green Ranger or the right. Red Ranger. Right. Um, so I was disappointed to, to get that one. But I think later <laughs> on, I ended up, you know, over the next year or so getting all of the different uh, original Rangers. But um, one of the things that sticks out for me on that, I still remember the packaging. 
like the they had the like six inch figures and then they had i think like a 12 inch figure and the, yeah. the larger ones came in like a triangular shaped box right which was at the time it was kind of unique and made these stick out and be you know cooler just because the packaging was so much different than a lot of the other stuff at the time right hmm. i have a question for both of you though that i uh, i find with collectors is like sometimes collectors get really into uh getting sets of whatever they like like you know what i like mm-hmm. this i like the turtles so i need all the turtles the whole set from this line or let's just i mean you can fast <laughs> forward to currently like marvel legends like i like this character and that but you know what i need the whole set are you guys both the type that need sets or you only really look for what you really want near and dear to you, you know, specific oh. characters or vehicles? Jared, Jared, you can go first. Can of worms <laughs> on this one. I mean, so it, it really depends. Like, you know, you, I, I usually start off wanting to collect collections, but, but most of the stuff I like, like, so the star Wars stuff, it's just about impossible. Like the black series is just out of control. There's, you know, that started off as sort of a collectible, <laughs> kind of line of figures but now it's like it's just too much like there's no way i don't want all those figures but i will say we talked about this previously too that i do get that bug where i could kind of mildly want something and i get one of them and say there's 10 i need to have all 10 now and i and it's like a sickness and i will (laughs) i will keep going back to the stores to try to find that one uh and and even sometimes if it's available online i don't i don't want to do that i want to go around to the stores and try to find it and it's so thrilling i think that one of the last times that i really did this was with the uh the the first series of clone wars toys not the not the animated the digital one but the the first uh, the cartoon Jindy Tartosky. Which yes. I, I like uh, myself, the Cartoon Network Clone Wars. Like, I love stylized. I mean, that's what I love to draw on everything. So yeah. That, yeah the, again, that was just gold to me. I could take more and more seasons of that. That I series was so good. They were so yeah. short and it was so brief and I loved them. And they did that line of toys, which I was just amazed at because uh, they were very uh-huh. good toys. And that mm-hmm. style translated really well to toys. And those were oh, yeah. really difficult. Uh, to find like I had to go yeah, to the jankiest Kmart's and things just to like <laughs> it's always funny when you have to go to like a CVS on the bad side of town because yeah. no one's buying them there and right. that's where that's I always find the toys under. yeah <laughs> what about you Mark there so I actually had this down as a question I was gonna ask so we'll have to get your answer too Miguel okay. um but for like I so I go through phases um when I as like when I became an adult and could start buying stupid shit, um, <laughs> I went back and was like, Oh, you know, I really liked, I remember growing up and really liking the Darkwing duck toys. Oh. Why don't I go on eBay and just buy the whole set? And then, you know, it's the first like four or five are really easy to get. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you start having to work hard to get some of the, the more difficult characters and before I knew it, I had like boxes and boxes of random toys from like the early 90s uh-huh. from when I was growing up. You know, like all the toys that I wanted as a kid that I couldn't have. And it got to a point where I was like, man, I'm just buying this stuff and it's sitting in boxes here. I need to start being more selective with right. what I'm getting. But kind of like what Jared was saying, you you find one that you really are into and it's like, you know, what the hell am I doing? I have to have this whole set. So 
it, it's I'm trying to manage it a little bit better now, but oh. it's still there. Um, but it's not like every toy that I have, I have to have the whole series. Um, but I got to say, the thing that bugs the crap out of me is when they have like um, they do this a lot with the Marvel toys where, you know, you'll get a piece. Yeah, the build of a figure, a, yeah. a larger character like, oh, my God, I just I do. You, did you get the any of the Ninja Turtle bulkies? I, I you know did I'm not. talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they they have they do the same thing. They're like huge figures and they're really, really cool and stylized um, in a really cool way. But so each there's four of the turtles and you get a fourth of Splinter. Uh, so I only bought Donatello and I've got like the arms of Splinter. <laughs> and we talked about this earlier and Jared was like, I'm getting anxious just <laughs> hearing about this. And I'm like if they weren't so expensive, I would for sure have the whole set, but it's right. I think they're coming from, from China or mm-hmm. somewhere in Asia. So like the shipping is expensive yeah. and the toys are so big, so yeah. they're expensive. So Miguel, how do you, how do you go about collecting that? Cause obviously it's an important, I mean, it's, it's everything you do it revolves around toys. How do you sort of right. curate your collection? <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a good question. And, uh, would love to share. It's, it's, it's been a journey of, a, it, it's a different, you know what? I've been down different routes of yeah. collecting. I think a lot of collectors that have collected for many years have. And what I mean by that is, uh, the reason I ask that is because I think there was a phase I had where it was really like, you know what? I'm so in love with uh, a particular line. Like I don't want to miss one, even if it's a low tier character, I, I want this set, you know? And then right. uh, as we all know, like sometimes, you know, you're like, man, I'm spending a lot of money on sports. I should probably calm down right, for a little bit. <laughs> or whatever the reason may be, you know, money's tight or whatever it is. And then you start to think, you know what? Okay, I really only want to collect my true near and dear favorite characters, whatever they may be. Um, that's another route. An- another phase is, okay, maybe I should only collect now um, vintage figures that, you know, bring me back nostalgic-wise to my childhood that, that I remember that gave me happy memories. Like, I want those on my shelf. Right. Yeah, so you yeah, get into yeah. that. And then another phase is like, oh, wow, I'm so, it's, you know, just in awe of how beautifully done a lot of these hot toys are now with all the mm. realistic sculptures and, you know, all the detail they put into accessories and clothing. That's cool. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching, I know, to the choir, all collectors know, like, there's always something that can spark our interest, <laughs> right? That's always something that can catch our attention and, and we want to collect and go after for myself now, uh, what I try to do is um, it has to be something I feel is really, I hate to use the word special, but something that like is mm-hmm. unique to me, yeah. is unique, is unique. And, and I give it, I give the word unique in the way that it, it can have the nostalgic touch. It could be new, it could be old, but something in that moment in my life that I'm like, you know what, this is this is really unique and cool. Like I, um, I'd like to have this in my collection. And uh, an example of that would be, um, I recently found some old toys at my parents' house and uh, mm. this kind of goes hand in hand with a, uh, co- a question you asked earlier about a toy that's near and dear to me. This, this is another one. It's not an expensive toy. It's not something that was found in stores, but I loved playing with it as a kid. It's a McDonald's toy. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember mm-hmm. the, when the Looney Tunes characters had snap on like superhero costumes. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Totally. Those toys. I, I went to McDonald's always to find all the characters I need. I mean, Tasmanian devil was, I think in the flash costume. 
yeah. right? Like you had that, you know, like those Looney Tunes characters and those snap on hero costumes were the coolest thing to me. I so, think I still have my Daffy as Batman. I think that, I think yeah, that one I still, yeah. That was the one. Yeah. So stuff, you know, anything like that, like if I, you know, see something that I feel really unique now, I'll, I'll go for it. I don't really go get into sets. As, uh, as I need a whole set of something anymore. The only, only way I do that is if I knew, um, I have a buddy of mine that sculpts in the industry and mm. he sculpts figures from Marvel Legends and he, mm. um, he sometimes some of the figures he sculpts I want and they're build a figure. Mm. And mm. as a collector, like I just feel like it's, I know it's kind of the cheaper route at times. That's easy scapegoat to be like, Oh, just buy the figure off eBay that someone built already. Right. Save. But as yeah. you mentioned earlier, Jared, like I'm in the same boat It's like, no, I got to search. I got to find these. I got to earn the build a figure. I got to go look yeah. for it. I got to, <laughs> yeah. I got to put this together with my own hands and be like, I built this one, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so if that answers that, that's kind of where I'm at with my collection right now. Sure. You know, whatever, whatever <laughs> kind of is catching my eye and I feel is something special and unique, I, I go for it. I'm finding just about any drug metaphor you could bring up probably applies to toy collecting here because, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, oh, I yeah, used to do exactly. crappy drugs when I was young, yeah. but now I like high end drugs because I've got right. money and, right, you know. Right, right. But it is funny how, like, you kind of, and I think this is specifically for collectors. Uh, as opposed to just fans of things like for collector people, it's a different beast of like, sometimes I'll see things online, it'll pop up and I'll just know I have to have it. Like, it doesn't right. matter how much it costs <laughs> or what do I have to do to get this? I'll yeah. be on whatever way. Like you just see it and you know, like, uh, I got to get that. There's no choice here. Yeah, I want to stop you there because I feel like one thing that you said that it just, really I, I really agree with is like it's funny as a collector you can know certain things gonna that are going to be coming out like oh i probably want this when it hits the shelves or mm -hmm. i want to want this toy or that toy you know maybe i'll have to save some money to get these there's those plans as a collector and then it's like what you said then there's things that wow you so much as a collector you're like i don't care if i gotta eat top ramen the next month i'm <laughs> buying this right now right yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, it's it's um, it really is a sickness like i think the that uh, Hot Toys, or I think it was Hot Toys, correct me if I'm wrong on that, they, they're having that Job of the Hut set coming out. And it's just phenomenal. And you just see it and you're like, that's it. That's it. It's like, I've been waiting for this toy. And I didn't realize I've been <laughs> waiting for this toy. Uh, right. and, and it's just like the way they sculpted that thing. I'm like, we have not had a great Job of the Hut toy in like a long time and he seems so easy to do but there's been so many weird variations on him that when you see the one that looks just like how you see him in the film like in your head mm. i feel like i need to have that on my shelf like i don't know sometimes he's too green or the eyes are wrong and you're just like right. oh, it's close uh but boy that when i saw that i'm like oh i have to get it it's painful yeah all right so i'm gonna have to wrap us up on this this collector's toy talk i think so I'm going to ask a couple more questions before we move on to your actual career, Miguel, if that's okay. Um, <laughs> It'll come back. But we'll have we'll to swing it back we'll around. We'll have to, um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll find a way to go back to, to collecting. But um, I, I think this, this might be a good future roundtable topic of just collecting and toys. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll revisit this, this discussion in the future without a doubt. Great. Um, but okay, this is a question for everyone. Just a couple quick ones. Uh, if you can think of it, what is your most, your current most expensive toy that you have? Mm. Um, and then a follow-up to that, which actually has nothing to do with it. Um, but is there a toy that you are 
still after, whether that's something that is difficult to find from your childhood that you've always wanted or just an expensive one that you're still saving on. So the two questions, what's your most expensive toy? And is there a toy that either of you are still after? I'll right. let Miguel go. I'm sure Miguel knows his most expensive toy right away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, the hot toys are pretty pricey. You know, I think that the most expensive one I've bought is um, a diecast Iron Man hot toys. It's a, uh, it's the armor he wore in um, Civil War. Mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, Mark 46. I could be wrong. I can't remember off the top. But yeah, he uh, he was a pretty penny. He was uh, over $400, <laughs> I believe, after mm. tax and everything. So yeah. that's one of my more expensive. Um, in, as, as far as cost and price to go, um, you know, certain things you own and have, I feel like I would never sell. It's like priceless to me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every collector has that. But um so yeah, I think that's that'd probably be my answer for most expensive is that Iron Man Hot Toys. And then, yeah. are you, is there a toy that like is the holy grail to you or something that you've been dying to get but yeah. for whatever reason you know, continues to escape you? Um, well, for me, I again we were discussing like you know nostalgic and old figures. You you talking about Darkwing Duck? Actually, I have been wanting <laughs> the Darkwing Duck the his mobile for uh, for mm-hmm. that. I've been looking for that. It's such a cool car, like the duck head and everything. The the flying the flying one jet or the, oh, the, the motorcycle yeah, the, the, he's got the two yeah the jet the flying jet sorry yeah oh okay so that's one I've been looking out for and I'd say a second one right now is um, the cap uh, Captain Planet in the packaging still so <laughs> I know I could get a hold of one of those it's just one of those things wanting to find the one right one at the right time you know right price right. Captain Planet again. That Captain comes up, Planet. boy. That <laughs> Captain Planet. It was just, it was so fun. I feel like it's under so many radars, though. You know, it doesn't get enough love. <laughs> Jared's a hater. You know, I don't know if I brought this up on the show in a previous episode. Jared, you might know this. I don't, but again, I don't remember if I brought it up on the show. Um, when I was in high school, I was part of our like high school video or TV show. And it was a new like program at the time. So our teacher just basically let us do whatever we wanted as long as it was, you know, G rated and we could air it. And it somehow was loosely tied back to the school. But anyways, we did a mockumentary like a where are they now of Captain Planet when I was in high school. So we have like it's like a 10 minute mockumentary about Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Um, and I played Mati because at the time <laughs> I was super skinny and had long hair. Uh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, the Captain Planet thing. I, the other stuff I kind of get, like, because I'm just off of you guys with the with the generational thing. So right. you guys have that whole second wave of really crappy animation that you guys just loved. Uh, <laughs> and and that Captain Planet definitely falls into that category for me. It's such a goofy. <laughs> it was the show. song. I don't oh, even yeah. know the they song. Had a, a great rap. <laughs> it, was, it was good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. I don't know what my most expensive toy is. I don't. I actually. I don't know that I spend that much. I, I there's always stuff that I want. I think there's a couple of McDonald's toys uh, that I've seen uh, that are those are particularly hard to get. And I think even just the fact that those are so difficult to get makes those appealing to me. Um, some of the really mm-hmm. old, old stuff. But uh, I think we all went through a phase where we had toys 
we, we got rid of them or our parents got rid of them. And then as adults, mm-hmm. we want to go back and try to find them and, and have them again. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so right. I think it's a few things like that. But I think I have a Darth Vader helmet that's pretty expensive, uh, like a replica helmet. That's, I don't know. It's not, that's cheating, though, because you didn't actually buy I know. That. But that's what I'm trying to think. Like, it's, <laughs> And that's not even really a toy. You know, like it's not a. Yeah, I can't. I'd have to think about it. I don't have a good answer for that. The 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 land speeder I, I just bought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Miguel, are you part of the land speeder club? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> oh man, disappointing. I tell you, I I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I never. I'll be honest, I never had many Star Wars toys as a kid. I was mm. always enjoyed watching the movies, but um, I was more into like collecting, like I said, the turtles, superheroes. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Well, I don't see how Star Wars can co- uh, compete with Captain Planet, so I, I, yeah. I could see you. Right. <laughs> I could see the dilemma. I, know, I love. Yeah. I mean, my la- the latest hot toys I just got is I got the Return of the Jedi. Loop, so that's ah, pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. 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 I think my I, I'm kind of like you, Jerry. I don't spend a lot on toys. I just get a lot of them. Yes. But that that um, I've got a couple lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the Ninja Turtle bulkies is probably the most expensive. Cause once you, it's really, once you add in the shipping and all that into what it costs to get the item, it's pretty expensive. Mm. Oh, definitely. Those overseas things are crazy expensive. Um, like, and, but they do Um, the best toys, like, especially with Disney, uh, the Asia toys are just I don't understand why it can't come over here more um, because they just oh, I, they do so much like so many different characters and the sculpts are always really great. And I, I don't get why we can't have that same quality here. And then you have to pay like three times as much or get it at a con or something. All right. I love those weird um, like marchy toys you have, Jared, where it plays oh, a yeah. song and then like the beat is the, <laughs> the little tapping. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Okay, so let's transition here over into the. Are you are you picking it up right yeah, now? So you can see. I don't know. The batteries <laughs> oh, those might are be that, Yeah. <laughs> have you seen these, Miguel? I have not seen these. The, oh, you're gonna have to. Uh, we'll send you a link to Jared. I think he has a video posting. Yeah. Of this stuff. Uh, yeah. So let's let's try and transition over to some professional talk here. Okay. Um, I, I think I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode. You wear a lot of hats. You have a lot of different jobs, a lot of different talents, a lot of different projects you are working on. Um, but the the project that I know the least about is your actual day job, which could potentially take up most of your time. So you are the general manager at Multiverse Studios. Why don't you, because I'm not super familiar with what Multiverse Studios is, can you give us um, like the elevator pitch of what Multiverse Studios is and the, the services you guys provide? Sure thing. We are uh, pretty much a service provider for um, anyone in the industry looking to make collectibles, whether it be, you know, anything as small as a gift with purchase collectible, like tchotchke stuff, all the way to high-end prop replica collectibles. And even we've done set design and, and booth products. Uh, I mean, uh, like booth setups for conventions. We can do... Uh, uh, statues and life-size products even for things of that nature too so we're all across the board when it comes to uh, manufacturing and making uh you know things creatively primarily most of our clients are from the video game industry so you know we work on mm-hmm. whether it be collector's editions for video games or um specific products like i mentioned that are gifts with purchases for video games or even uh, just high-end collectibles that that are released under video game licenses 
So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So being a big toy collector and fan of toy culture, was this something that you were seeking out to be, you know, part of the toy industry or was this something, how did you get into this position, be able to work for this company? All right. So I, um, keep a longer story short. I came to LA originally as a, <laughs> as a dancer, actually, uh, to, to, te- to be a hip hop dancer. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I went to Fresno state for a few years and college. And then I came over and went to Cal state Northridge. Uh, when I went to Northridge, I did study art. I uh, switched my major to art, actually animation. I was intrigued the most with 2d animation more than 3d and being a, a toy collector, you know, studying art. I, um, I just thought, wouldn't it be cool one day to, you know, be able to work in the toy industry or work in the industry where you're doing something you love and you're passionate about? I mean, everyone says, you know, when you do something like that, you wake up every day. It's not really like going to work. It's just waking up doing something you love, right? Right. Again, I was I was going to dance auditions and I was uh, dancing whenever I could in, in L.A. And then I um, was also going to college at Cal State Northridge studying art and I was working a part-time job uh, in the after school program for LA Unified School District and I uh, got to know a lot of people networking and a few of my college professors uh, also kind of took me under their wing uh, their wings actually I should say and they um, uh, they were the ones that kind of after a while after I graduated college they still kept an eye out for me and they, mm-hmm. they heard about an uh, opening at um, Multiverse Studios that was creating, you know, um, collectible toys and doing working in the video game industry. And they thought with my passion and love for the creative arts, whether it be dance, collecting, you know, art, working, studying art at Northridge, that I'd be a good fit. So uh, that was about six years ago. And I um, went to an interview with other individuals. And, you know, by the grace of God, I, uh, I, I won that interview and I worked my way up at Multiverse, starting off as a product concept designer and developer. And um, showed some initiative. It showed some drive and, and organizational skills and people skills, and worked my way up as a as a general manager. So, um, do you miss being able to do the the concept design? Do you are you still able to do any toy design now? Yes, yes. I um the the thing about Multiverse is uh, we're actually a pretty small company. Um, so there are multiple hats I still get to wear. Um, I don't get to solely focus on design like I did before, but on, on many projects, I still am sketching concepts. I still am working closely with our creative director. And, um, uh, you know, I'm still able to have a voice yet yeah, in the creative department, uh, as well as managing projects and, you know, running the internal office here in LA. So yes, I, I, it's a good, it's a gift and curse. You know, I get to, uh, I get to do some design work and have the stresses of a designer and then also have the stresses of a manager, but it's all, it's all for love and good. So it's all good. <laughs> so I have now a million questions based on that little story there. <laughs> and uh, and yes. half of that revolves around dance, but um, Let's do I, it. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll keep it on toys just so we can keep this down to a good seven hours. Um, okay. <laughs> but so when you're doing these um, the conceptual designs and things like that, because that's kind of the fun thing of what you do and you have the art background, what, what are you... What are you creating them in? Are you doing sketches? Are you doing digital sculpts? Like what, what, what constitutes that part of your job? That's a great question. Um, so I have always been a fan, first and foremost, of sketching paper and pencil. Mm-hmm. Um, I, believe it or not, not until about, I'd say a year to a year and a half ago, have started sketching using Cintiq. 
I, um, I've always mm-hmm. was a fan of using paper and pencil, scanning my illustrations and drawings in the computer, and then using a tablet to, you know, ink or go over them or use Photoshop Illustrator to manipulate or vector. But everything always started on uh, pad and, uh, you know, pad and paper, uh, pencil. Mm-hmm. And then as I now, you know, I've fallen in love with using the Cintiq and, uh, I, I still try to make time to use pad and, uh, you know, a pad and pencil, but for the most part, I use mostly a Cintiq. I, uh, I use Sketchbook Pro to draw and sketch in, or I use, I use Photoshop to, to draw and I have different brushes I use. Um, same thing with coloring. Um, but I, I go back and forth a lot within the styles I use because I'm a really big fan of simplified shapes and like vector art, keeping shadows and, mm-hmm. and vectors really clean and simple. Yeah. But I'm also a fan of, you know, uh, line art and, and detailed comic book art. So I, I, I juggle the two using that. So if that answers your question. I kind of, I, I use all of that when I develop concepts for toys. And are you doing uh, turns or are you just sort of doing a general feel of what this thing would right. look like? So um, usually the procedure, how it goes, especially dealing with different um, clients in the video game industry is, they have an idea and it's usually not really fleshed out at all. Mm-hmm. And they just say, you know, we want some type of plush. Let's say we want a plush, make it cute. You can, you can use, base it around this character, let's say. So usually I'll give them a quick sketch or and a color comp of a cute plush and maybe one other pose just because you have to remember we're moving so quickly in the, in the industry that a lot of things end up getting scrapped or they doesn't meet their budget or whatever it may be. So I can't spend too much time at making it super glamorous to where it's a full-blown turnaround, like five-point turn, and like, you know, here's some, you know, concepts of, uh, of the material, how it'll look with certain lighting. So I start off with a sketch of, you know, like I said, one or two images, you know, give it a, give it some color and give them, you know, they'll need a quote to go with that and they'll get some pricing and they'll say, okay, so something like this along this line is for this much. Then they'll come back and say, you know what? all right, we really want it. Let's put it through the approval process. We're going to move forward. They place a purchase order for it. So once that happens, now I can get down to the nitty gritty and start submitting things for approval with the licensor. So then I'll take my time and draw a really nice five point turn. You know, is this exactly how you want this arm? Is this how you want the, the head to look and the profile view? And, and then we go back and forth with approvals of how the products will really look. So it is nice at times if you have the time, of course, to give them that, that really nice breakdown in the beginning. But since right. we were going through so many projects and moving so fast, you kind of want that the goal in the industry is to make something as nice and pretty as possible, but at the same time, as quickly as possible. So that's, that's what I have mm-hmm. to keep in mind. That's so interesting. Like, I, I know I definitely want to get to your stuff because I think that's the most interesting part of this. Uh, but I do have a few more questions on this because I think it's a it's sure. a fascinating process. And I think for so many people, just like with art, they feel like this thing goes in one end of the computer and it comes out the other right. end of the computer oh, and it's man. this fully yeah. developed thing. So yeah. if we take, like you gave the example of plush, what are some of the uh, inherent challenges of doing plush? When you sit down with a client and say, okay, let's do this, whatever, a bear character or something like that. Uh, as someone who's been working in this industry, you probably know right off the bat, like this is, this is hard to do in plush or this is expensive to do in plush. What are some of the challenges uh, that are inherent in designing dimensionally like that? Great. Yeah. So, Again, that's something great. Actually, I'm glad we get to talk about is that as collectors, sometimes I know it gets frustrating because we all say like, you know, why is this made so cheaply? Or why didn't they do this when they made it? Or how come this product Mm. looks like this? I would have done this. How come they didn't add this detail on this character? It has detail. 
And, and the reason being again is everything is very time, you know, sensitive at times. Like clients want something, but they don't know exactly what they want. And they want it at the last minute, let's say, and they have a budget and it's like, we need you to make it. What can you give us? What can you make us with this budget? And, you know, all clients and people out there, forgive me if I'm dropping, you know, deep, dark secrets <laughs> on this, but this, this, this is the truth that I, you know, we all should know as collectors as well in the toy industry mm -hmm. that clients have a budget or clients have, it's all the, at the end of the day, it is also a business. It's about making money. So, um, you know, for plush to give everyone a heads up, you know, anything with small, tiny embroidery on it is going to really drive up your cost versus a printed plush versus plush with just majority of the material is all in simple shape and then you may be on the face you have a couple eyeballs embroidered and a mouth and that's it that's going to be a lot cheaper than your you know denver the last dinosaur with you know embroidered spots <laughs> on them shell, like yeah, shells right. you know textures and sunglasses whatever it might be uh you know that's that's going to cost you more and and it, although it looks better it's it's also going to be a lot higher to, to make and and the reason the cost is also even more expensive to make is because it's exactly what you just said. A lot of people think art goes in the computer and a product comes out. But right. I myself have been, you know, lucky enough to be able to go to factories in China and visit and see how things really are getting made. And, you know, nothing is magic. There's, there's people behind all these products we love and enjoy. There's actually human beings that are a lot of times are even stitching things by hand if it's too small. Uh, aside from machines, there's people assemble, assembly lining, um, products, uh, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. putting things together. All of this is labor and, you know, and it takes time to do. So this is why at times cost goes up, you know, cost of labor, cost of material, cost of goods. So these are all factors that come into play that it's my job and, the, and, and Multiverse's job to, to give everybody the best bang for their buck, you know, to understand the industry, to understand what will look good for the budget they may have and to understand what is also possible with the design that they, they want to look for and, and get. So, <laughs> right. I, I think it's fascinating because I'm sure it comes down to like, well, we can do three spots for this much, but if you want four spots, it's going to cost <laughs> another this much per Right. Piece well, I mean, a, a, a good example of that would be, um, let's say you have a dog and like, I think a dog plush would be really cool with like its full paw prints on the bottom. When you lift up the plush, it has like all its little paws embroidered. It's got right. a snout. Mm -hmm. It's got a smile. I mean, it's got textures on them, you know, the tails coming off of them. All of these things are a different step in manufacturing. So that's going to take, that's going to be more. And if it was just a whole printed material, even the eyes on the dog is a, is actually a screen print because there's plushies like that. And then it's just stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's like two different tiers of plushies you're talking about now. You're right, talking about a $10 right. plus versus a $45 plush, you know, by the time it gets to the MSRP. So. That must be uh, for you, someone who knows toys so well, and loves toys so much. It must be heartbreaking at times to you're like, just spend a little bit more and this thing will be a thousand <laughs> oh times goodness. better. Oh, all the time, even with even honestly, with product I design at times for clients yeah. at Multiverse, it's not up to me. But I'm like, as a collector, I would pay a little more for this. Let's make it this way. But the, it's the client's final decision is like, no, like we're not going to spend that much or you know, at times, yeah, you know, we really can't make tough. it. So this is, this is the budget we have for this project, unfortunately. So we have to meet that or, you know, that, that's how it goes. So, yeah. It's tough. I have one more question, Mark, and then I'll let you move on. Cause I, <laughs> I do want to move on. Uh, but I, I'm wondering how much of your 
when you're working with these big clients, sometimes we assume that they know things, but I'm sure that's probably not the case. How much of the time are you spending sort of educating them on the process and trying to explain to them why this little stitch will cost you this much more, but this whole thing over here, that's not a big deal. um, That's another good question. uh, Believe it or not, a lot of uh, clients are not really aware of all the processes that all the process that goes on in the uh, manufacturing industry. They have an idea. Many people have an idea. Many people know numbers. Mm-hmm. They know, I know I've quoted for this before. It should cost around this much. Right. I know, you know, I've bought this before. How come it doesn't, it shouldn't be about this much, but there are people out there. And, you know, I know most big companies do uh, hire uh, individuals that are knowledgeable about actually, you know, manufacturing and people that have also gone to different factories in different countries and learned. But it is it is not as uh, common, I think, as we all think. A lot of people are kind of like, educate me, you know, how come this is this much or how come you can't do it this mm-hmm. fast? So the biggest thing that at times can be a little frustrating, but, you know, we're patient with is some people think things can get made in like a month. Like, we need this for next month's con. Can you make this? Yeah. Like, oh, man, that's like enough time just to send them, like shipping it overseas, <laughs> you know? <Right. laughs> not, like, not let alone make it. So, yeah. yeah, It can get frustrating, but. I bet. I bet. Okay, Mark, I will let you move us along here. I, I'll, I'll keep asking questions about this fascinating stuff. Yeah, it's, I mean, Great it's question. really cool that you've been, you've been able to be a part of some of these really cool and iconic brands through Multiverse. But we mentioned this, we hinted at this earlier on, you have um, a personal brand that you're working on called Rad Retro Power. Right. And this is actually how you got on my radar I have my video off right now, but I'm wearing your Michael Jackson Evolution. I saw that shirt. earlier, yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I so I don't I I don't know how this came on my radar. I saw it on T Public, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, being a Michael Jackson fan, I was like, oh, I gotta get that. That's rad. <laughs> There's not that many like pop culture artists that do uh, Michael Jackson stuff, so I saw it. I had to get it, and then. Um, at Decon, I heard about your Michael Jackson figure and you sold out like right away. So by the time I heard about it, they were already long gone. <laughs> but now I'm really excited to hear, you know, the kind of the behind the scenes story um, of how that came to be. Um, but let's let's jump back and start with uh, why Michael Jackson. I obviously from hearing your story a little bit, you are a dancer. Um, so I'm sure there's a lot of influence in that. Right. But what about Michael Jackson kind of made you want to do a product like this? Well, um, yeah, you hit it right on, you know, you, you hit it exactly what, what happened as a kid. I love, fell in love with Michael Jackson. Um, I was about six, seven years old and I, and I was in the talent show at school. And the first thing I did in front of a crowd of people was I did a Michael Jackson, Billy Jean. Uh, there's actually a video on my Instagram page if you scroll I down saw far that. enough. I'm yeah, it's great. That, yeah, it's great. and I was like, you know, um, in elementary school, as a young kid, like seven years old, doing uh, Michael Jackson, and um, you know, I just fell in love with the magic he had. I think everybody, mm-hmm. at, you know, at one point or another, everybody was, uh, you know, enjoying Michael Jackson music, or you know, some way or another, he was in all of our lives, you know, for good or for bad. Uh, you know, he had an impact on the world, so. I, I've always just been drawn to, uh, you know, his music, the way, you know, he dances, the way, uh, his whole image, everything about him. And, uh, I've been a fan as far as I can remember. So 
you know, that was obviously a spark of why I also enjoy dancing and doing everything I did. Uh, moving forward to Rad Retro Power, um, pretty much that's a brand that my, my buddy, uh, Robert Chavez and I started. He goes by an artist named Nerdy Chavez, but, uh, him and I, mm-hmm. we started doing decon about four or five years ago. And, um, we always talked about him being a huge Michael Jackson fan as well. We always talked about, um, you know, coming out with our own figures one day, figures that we would like to see that, you know, aren't on the market, that things that people aren't making. Right. And, you know, what do we like in action figures? Cause he's a huge collector as well. And, um, both of us, again, being huge Michael Jackson fans, that was the first thing we said. We were like, you know, we'd have, we'd make a really cool, like, buff Michael Jackson. Like, if he was, like, from the He-Man, <laughs> Thundercats universe. <laughs> we were like, that would just be neat. And it, it honestly started off, like, something that we both really wanted. So we wanted to make as a personal project for ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's make them. Like, we could find, you know, nowadays, too, with 3D printing. And, and, and I was working in the, I'm working in the industry. And knowing different individuals that could help out, I was like, this, this could be a possibility. You know, this, this is something that could happen. Um, so fast forward. So this, go ahead. This debuted 2017. How far back yeah. was the planning? Did, did you actually start planning this? Um, it sounds like you were at least discussing it before, but when did you actually start with the, the planning and putting this whole project into motion? Right. We, well, like I said, we always had the idea, I'd say for Two, three years back we've been wanting to do our own figures um and then this debuted last designer con of 2017 and i would say i gave us about nine months out from that typically huh. even in the another fact for the manufacturing industry is a comfortable range to make a run of action figures is usually seven to eight months um huh. depending on your your quantity that's for conceptual design to sculpting to approval process to prototyping, to paint samples, to, you know, getting your prototype locked down, your prototype locked in, um, production, manufacturing, QC check. I mean, there's a lot of steps people aren't, aren't aware that are involved. And when I, when I wanted to create the Rad Retro Michael figure, I wanted to be sure to follow all those steps I've learned from work and from what I do for a living and apply that to my own product and make sure like, Mm -hmm. this is what I've learned from my everyday job. This is, I want this same quality, if not even better to, to the, right. I want all the, all the stuff that lacks uh, that, that, you know, I can't have control over in my everyday job, whether it be budget, like I said, or client or my design, not getting approved, whatever it is, I have full control over now with Rad Retro Michael. So I took the time, like I said, about nine months out to take my time. Uh, my, my buddy and I both drew lots of concepts, how we wanted them to look. Uh, we started off with the typical outfits, just giving actually him pretty, Pretty normal Michael outfit, smooth criminal suit, uh, his bad tour costume, mm-hmm. beaded mm-hmm. outfit. And then we went into, you know what? Let's, let's make him ours. Let's, let's make Michael have that hint of, you know, uh, his typical MJ. We gotta show off the guns. Yeah, exactly. So we're like, he needs to show off how buff this guy is, like in He Man Thundercats, you know, world. So we gave him that cutoff sleeve, like, you know, beaded jacket. And the rest is kind of just a mashup of everything MJ entails. Mm hmm. So but boy, the collector in me now wants every version. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That means I did it right. I did it right. Yeah. yeah so we, uh, to, to, to keep continue with Michael, so we made, we made three versions of his, his right hand the first run. We did uh, Michael with a Nintendo Power Glove because we want each of the Rad Retro Power figures to have a 80s nostalgic touch. 
So we want, we gave him the Nintendo power glove. And then we also gave him the alternate hand with his, you know, his iconic sequence glove. Uh, and then the third hand is him holding actually what looks like kind of the old laser tag gun from the 80s. Mm. So, uh, that's his blaster. So we, uh, we gave the interchangeable hands to him and we originally wanted his jacket to be, um, just like I, idea was from like those McDonald toys I mentioned with the snap, snap together uh, Mm -hmm. costumes. We wanted the jacket to snap together the same way, but, um, just through, you know, the material used and timing, we ended up, you know, making a decision to have the jacket just be a part of the sculpt as well. So that's where that came about. So when, when you're doing, um, preparing this for designer con, um, and you want it to be a limited run, how did you take, like taking that into consideration, how many, how big this run was going to be? Well, you know, to be honest, the, the thing is, is again, it was more of like an art collector's piece for my buddy and I. And we thought, you know, we don't know how many people will enjoy this the same as we do. We knew it would be something really cool. People would at least admire and be like, that's really cool. I've never seen anything like that. But we didn't know what the market would be like, um, you know, for a buff Michael action figure. So uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I wanted to start small and as well as, you know, as far as like licenses are concerned, you know, it's, it's not like I'm making a mass. I didn't want to make a mass production of uh Michael action right. figures, you know, like a indeed or anything like that. So I really went the route of just making a, a handful and to see what people think and just to kind of build the brand and see what people think of my work and what I'm able to do on my own, you know, as, as, as being complete control of entire, of everything. So uh, we, we made a run of 10, uh, not including. Oh wow! Not, super low. Super run. low. Not including my um, my partner and I, and uh, also the painter, which I need to mention. Uh, he's a part of Rad Retro Power too. Is Lando Wilkin, also an amazing mm-hmm. dancer <laughs> in the dance industry. <laughs> he uh, he paints. Is that is that a necessity to hang yeah, out guys, with you? You've gotta, <laughs> every, you gotta well, be yeah, able to everybody, dance. Everybody, we everyone has to battle me first to become a part of Rad Retro Power, and then we make a decision. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Jared, we're not welcome. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, Lando Wilkins, he does all the, he hand paints all the figures. And he became a part of the crew, though. Uh, I hadn't mentioned him earlier because he came a part of us during that step of uh, the Michael figure process. Was He was always a friend of ours. He was always someone interested. And um, he was a great painter. And, he, and he's done a lot of custom work on figures as well. So, um, you know, we brought him on board and said, you know what, Lando, we'd, we'd, we'd love just to have you a part of the crew, you know, for all of our future projects instead of, you know, hiring once and then searching around and, and trying to get him again. We just said, you know what, why don't you just join the team? So so he is hand painting the entire figure is, for every single he one? He is hand painting these amazingly. Oh he's gosh. got an awesome setup at his place and he has, I mean, That's... he's got the setup to separate, you know, all the figure parts and then hand paint everything, whether it be the some parts airbrush, some parts dry brush, some parts fine tip brush. I mean, he's getting in there and everything you're receiving is a hand painted figure, you know, from Lando. That, that's amazing. And his name is Lando. Double amazing. Awesome, um, right? Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> and, so that, that's a very small run. And, and I don't, I don't know a lot about that production of, of these things i i wouldn't know if, like if the route that you took is the standard route of, of creating these things when you decided on the the total did that uh did that play into cost because i would always think like oh you're gonna spend less if you make more or like how did that work that you were able to do 10 sort of right. you know in a feasible way right 
so the thing is, is um, the first run of figures are created from um, polyurethane type of like resin. Mm-hmm. And when you, um, the majority of like anything you make from resin, you want to keep your run around 500 or less. And that's because mm-hmm. you're using silicone molds. And after five, around 500, you can, you can add a little more of that. The molds will exhaust. And at, at that point, when you get into higher quantities, that's why action figures and things you see on the shelves are usually made out of PVC or ABS plastic. And that's because those are made with a steel tool and the tool is injection molded and it has a longer lifespan and you can make a lot more of them. So the only problem with that is um, it's a very expensive to have a steel tool made so you can make a PVC or ABS, you know, plastic figure, anything plastic. Um, so unfortunately I wasn't uh, saving, I didn't save up enough money to buy a giant, you know, a whole steel tool and make a huge run. So I had sure. to figure out a way how to make some figures uh, work at a lower quantity and when we get the, you know, get the same quality and point I wanted to cross. Cause the Rad Retro Michael figures, the first run are kind of what we consider the, uh, very first prototype run we've ever made of a figure, right? So, um, mm. it is a resin figure. It, it looks like an action figure, but it's actually not made to be played with and to like articulate and move around. The mm. head can move on them. You can move the head. And if, you know, the arms, you could actually, you could probably like, forced to move up or down a little but we wouldn't recommend it but overall it's more of just a collector's piece one-off and um so that was that was the approach for this first run of 10 was materials and the cost yeah it was it was pricey but this was something i wanted to do and to make just to get again the brand out there and to to let everyone see and know you know what what uh i'm able to create with my buddies just with full control of everything Mm -hmm. right and i mean I've only seen pictures of it, but it looks incredible. Um, and I know you're working on your next figure, which is very similar. It is Prince. Um, so is there is there a, a theme here for Rad Retro Power that we're seeing? It's yeah, rad, it's yeah. retro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so again, we're just huge fans, you know, 80s and 90s, and uh, especially the music. And, you know, after Michael, the only way to follow up would be to do another icon as Prince. Uh, our our long term goal is to eventually make a full squad of these characters of uh, '80s icons. You know, we <laughs> want, we, of cool. course, we want Madonna. There you go. David, oh, David I was Bowie. just gonna say, Jared. Jared is dying for your Madonna. There it figure. is. I yeah. will help fund the Madonna doll one. So just let me know when you guys are ready to go on that. Yeah. So I mean, Madonna, um, David Bowie. Yep. Oh yeah, that'd be you know, great. Uh, sky's the limit. We even want to do some '90s, early '90s characters, like as villains. We were thinking that MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice, just because they would be great characters, character <laughs> <laughs> designs. Um, yeah, like you know, it's a whole, it's a whole lineup. We want to do like that. But right now, we're working on Prince. I'm really excited, um, just because, I, just like anything, you know, you grow and you learn from when you get hands on and you do it. So I'm really excited that now that I've kind of learn the process of how Rad Retro Michael went and what I liked and what I wish I could approve, impo- approve upon. Uh, I'm able to apply that to Prince now. So everyone I know that has, you know, is in part of the internal team and family and friends that I've shown sneak peeks to of Prince, they all say like, wow, this is, this is even topping Michael. And I say, you know, that's what I want is that everything that comes out should always top the last, you know? Sure. So, mm-hmm. uh, so when you were doing the Michael one and, and the lessons learned on the, 
that doll. Uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Like, what was what were some of the surprises that you encountered? I mean, you you work in the industry, you see this stuff firsthand, but right. are there still things that you weren't expecting that popped up during this process? Yeah, um, you know, uh, there's only so much I do that I'm hands on with versus the manufacturing process in terms of. Uh, I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not always at the factories. I've been there mm-hmm. before, but this time I created everything with friends and family that I know could help me out in the project. So I was more hands-on. Like when I, I'm friends, the the sculptor I had mentioned earlier, May uh, Thamaturana, actually, he's the one that says Marvel Legends. He sculpted the Rad Retro Michael figure based off of uh, my buddy and I's terms and concepts. He, mm-hmm. um, you know, working hand in hand with him and closely with him and, and, and um, our friendship really, uh, I feel like got even closer because we were able to figure out what worked, what didn't work in the sculpt. And then now moving on to print, it was like, okay, you know what? We tried this in the Michael sculpt, but we got it made and printed. Um, you know, with prints, this will be easier this time around when we, when we make a mold of prints and cast them in resin or when we do this or do that, whatever it may be. Um, so that's one thing, you know, working closely with the sculptor um the my buddy i have actually a long time friend alex gal he has his own business called moment 3d they 3d print the figures the prototype uh and whatnot and they actually on prints are working on the mold and cast of prints as well so they're doing a lot of the actual production um pieces for uh, rad retro prints and uh, with that i think we've all learned they learn and you know they're the experts on uh, 3d printing not me and they uh, really they really nailed. I think that they did a good job with Rad Retro Michael, and um, they're they're really doing good with Prince. Believe it or not, I'm actually leaving the Las Vegas Saturday morning to go see the progress of uh, Prince this weekend. So oh, I'm going cool. to visit him. Cool. That's where he's at. So that's 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 with that. And then um, so to to kind of try to pinpoint, I think your question. Uh, some of the things I think uh, deal with time. I always gave myself a certain amount of time for each part of the process to make Rad Retro Michael. And I thought it was enough, but I've come to find that I probably need to give a little few, a few more days of buffer time in there just to, you know, finish packaging things, whether it be poly bagging little parts in the packaging, um, you know, waiting for certain printed parts to come out, waiting for, you know, Lando to, to really take his time painting things because my whole thing in the industry every day is we have to rush. We have to move fast. We have to hit deadlines. And with Rad Retro Michael and Rad Retro Print, I wanted everyone to do their best on every step of the way. So it's like, take your time, you know, take all the time you need just to make it look perfect for the fans or whoever else is going to uh, enjoy the product. Wow. So when you're, when you're looking at these sculpts, like I, uh, I would imagine there's this initial like excitement about seeing this thing in its first form. Right. And then you sort of narrow it down and get down to the nitty gritty of like, well, maybe this could be a little <laughs> bit more, you know, flat here or something. Like, do, do you go through that process or, or is that stuff caught sort of earlier on so that you don't have to, you know, uh, make revisions late in the game? Yeah, you know, I think that that's what makes uh, a good art director and a good manager is mm-hmm. being able to communicate and be confident in your creative design dis- decision. And that's something over the years I've I've had to learn. I've learned through experiences, and I think it's with every artist as well. And and um, you know, is that being confident in your work and saying, you know what, I, I really like this. I think it should look this way, or I think it needs to be that way. And it's not only that, but it's communicating that as well and that mm-hmm. that could be challenging at times 
but um, again, I'm, I'm blessed and, and lucky enough to have some uh, really amazing friends that I work with on, on the Rad Retro projects to where like May, he really, not to pat myself on the back, but this is a perfect example for this. Uh, <laughs> last year at DesignerCon, May told me that he really enjoys working with me on design work because he says I get down to the really, you know, the, the I don't, I don't cut any corners on, you know, what I want. I make everything really direct and to the point and I show mm-hmm. him in my illustrations. If, if my illustrations I feel aren't clear enough, I'll pull images from Google and say, look at this. I'm kind of inspired by something like this and I draw right. it, I drew it like this or whatever it may be. So doing things like that and, and, um, you know, trying to explain myself and communicate in that way really makes it easier for the next person in line in the process which would be the sculptor or after the sculptor, you know, if they're 3d printing, I'll say, you know, this looks nice, but I still see some step lines from the 3d print. Can we sand that down? Um, and I'll, at this point, all my friends know, like I'm really always striving for it to be perfect or to look really good. Cause I feel like I'm a collector and I work in the industry. So if this is something I don't want to buy or I want to spend money on, I don't want to put it out there. You know? Yeah, right. that's uh, it, it's an amazing process to me, and and because you're working so closely with these people and, and are sort of friends with these people, that that I guess that could both help and hurt. But I can't imagine doing this with uh, the same process with an overseas company where you're trying to give them this mm-hmm. much information, this much direction, and either having a, a language barrier or or just a you know just understanding what you're trying to convey that must be a thousand times harder when you're dealing with with those yeah. uh, manufacturers it is. it is i um i tip my hat to uh, my coworkers that are bilingual and that speak both english and, and chinese to our factories in china they do an amazing job mm. of um of uh handling that what you said is is it's very is very uh, exhausting at times and it can be frustrating <laughs> but uh we do our best to communicate that, that, you know what, that's another thing I give to my job at work that helps with Rad Retro Power is I've learned at work how to illustrate something as thorough as possible so that someone that might not even speak the language can understand and see through visuals along mm-hmm. with a written aid. That's like a bonus and extra. If you can get your point across without having to write it and them sure. reading it, then you're already, you're already, you know, you won the battle already. So. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 is definitely challenging uh, at times working overseas. But um, you know, shout out to uh, Sam Guang and Julie they, and Emily. They work with us. They they do an amazing job at uh, at uh, translating uh, translating work like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and is this something that uh, Rad Retro Power is this just specifically for your uh, personal projects, or is this like a service that you offer to other people who are looking to make uh, toys? That's a great question. I'd say both. Um, I, I, I am very excited to see where the brand grows and to see where it gets. I mean, since Rad Retro Michael dropped, I'd say last designer con. So now I have gotten many inquiries for not only the figure, but just for like, how can I pre-order whatever you're going to make next? I just know I'm going to want it, which is nice, you know? <laughs> and, uh, that's great. and, and not only from the United States, but like different countries as well. So that's, that's really exciting. And that, that makes me happy. But, um, and then, and then the flip side of that is, yeah, I, I'm always open to help and to, um, you know, offer services to someone that may want to try to do the same thing. I mean, I have friends that, uh, you know, not, not even just friends, acquaintances, people I've met that are like, you know, how do you do this? How do you go about even starting to do this? And, you know, what's the process? And, uh, you know, if I can help and try to guide them in the right direction to do it themselves, of course, any knowledge I could spread is, is, is a positive thing. So. Yeah. 
That's fantastic. That's great. You have you have the Michael Jackson uh, Rad Retro power figure that is already completed. If we missed out on that, will we have an opportunity All right. to get that <laughs> I was waiting for you to ask. There you go. <laughs> so, um, yes. You know what? It got crazy. I think I filled up, you know, five, six sheets of caudral paper of emails and people at DesignerCon that wanted <laughs> a figure after it sold out. People were offering crazy amounts of money to us for the display one. And um, uh, good news for everyone I announced a few weeks ago is that, yes, we will be making uh, another run of Michael. It will be more. It will be 15 units this time instead of 10. And um, those units um, will be available most likely the same time as DesignerCon. But before DesignerCon, we are possibly going to be opening up pre-orders um, for an, for an amount. Now, I don't know what that amount may be because I do still want a specific amount available for people that do attend the con to get Michael again. So, right. but yeah, that's all I can really say right now. Other than that, um, to keep that first run of 10 that people were able to get a hold of, um, special and exclusive, uh, the second Michael will not actually have the alternate arm. He'll just have the Nintendo Power Glove on. And I think it, it, it's, a, it's, it's cleaner for this version, too. And um, he will also have a different retro packaging. So the first one came in a, oh, cool. in a box uh, with foam and a lot of goodies inside. And it, the box was kind of a, you know, VHS-looking, vintage-looking box with package design. This one will be an alternate version of the package that's also retro, which is like a blister card, like, E-Man or, you know, Thundercats where it was the backer card and the figure on top. So it's a lot of fun as well. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Now, I think I know the answer to this question, but I kind of want you to explain it on air. Uh, Okay. (laughs) What what is preventing you from just doing 10,000 of these things? Uh, You know, whether it's just smaller or, you know, just getting it out there. You've got a billion people that want it. Why not make... You know, just under a billion. So yeah, everyone. But I, you know, I get yeah. hit up like even at Kickstarter, people are like, "Just Kickstart it. You don't have to worry about the money." <laughs> no, but uh, you know, the reason being is, I mean, I would love to make a large run of this. I at this point, I don't have the license for Michael Jackson and his mm-hmm. likeness. I don't know how much it would our figure would fall under his license since we did change it up a lot. You know, we changed yeah. his aesthetic. We did give him our own type of clothing, our own different logo. That's similar and different, but it isn't a Michael Jackson logo. You know, it isn't uh, anything super specific, but uh, everyone knows, you know, it's Michael. So with that being said, I like to keep it more of a low run and low quantity for that special for collectors. Uh, One Mm -hmm. thing being Mm -hmm. is uh, usually if you keep it low and you're not in mass production, typically, you know, you're, you're still under the radar of big licenses and whatnot because you're not, I'm not getting rich off of the Michael figures. You know, I'm not making crazy profits off of 10 to 15 figures. So that's that. Um, but maybe one day, I mean, if, if they like it and the Michael Jackson estate wants to make figures with me, I would love to yeah, make a large run. And uh, <laughs> that would be awesome. But that, if that answers your question, yeah, that's kind of the reason why. Too. So what's the long-term goals for Red Retro Power then? Yeah. So right now, um, my the goal I have in my mind is I want our figures to become something really unique and special to the point where I use the example of some of these other artistic art piece toys or, or even exclusive shoe colorways where people are like, man, I want this so bad. Like I'll show up and stand in line five to 10 hours for it. But when I got it, I know I have a rad retro power figure and I'm so happy and excited. I got one. 
that that that's the type of cool you know joy and happiness i'd love to give the fans and the people and also at the same time to eventually make toys and figures that aren't necessarily related to uh the iconic 80s 90s characters that it ends up just being my own run of action figures that i like of own character designs that i can make five to ten thousand of and everyone can enjoy and make really cool accessories and that would be the long-term goal and to, to build the brand up to where regardless of who the figure is of, everyone's going to know that they'll expect really cool accessories, a really cool package design, really cool products and a quality product. And they're going to want that. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see what comes next. I mean, I'm already a fan of your first product. The Prince figure looks awesome as well, but we are about to wrap up here. We're running we're running long. Are we running Jared? long? Can I ask one more question? Yeah, I, no, I, sure. I, Go ahead. I, well, well, let me add one we'll, thing. We'll wrap, we'll, we'll wrap up shortly. I haven't been able to say it to you guys, but also I'm a huge fan of both of you guys' art. You know, I, I enjoy all your art. <laughs> I enjoy everything I saw at DesignerCon as well. I mean, and I have to say the Rocketeer pin, I'm going to have to get one of those. I love the Rocketeer. It's a game. Oh. <laughs> and then Jared, <laughs> Thank also, you. I, Thank I mean, you. I frequently go. I just got a... Uh, I got gifted by my girlfriend at Disneyland annual pass this year for my birthday. Nice. So I'm always going and I'm always checking out your art as well at Wonderland Gallery. So again, thank you guys. I'm a huge fan of both of you. So. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate that. You didn't, awesome. you didn't have to do that. That's very kind of you. <laughs> but <laughs> have, are you familiar with the hipster Mickey? <laughs> of course. Of course. I've been a fan for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, but my question for you was like uh, being so involved in the industry and, um, uh, and just a collector yourself, uh, we mentioned Hot Toys earlier in that line. You must be highly critical uh, when you see these toys out there. You could, I'm sure, you can spot right away, like, oh, they cheaped out on this, or oh, yeah. they they went this way because obviously it's you know a lot cheaper to go that way. But uh, either way, if you want to mention either way, is who's doing a good job out there? Is there someone that you think is doing like a super job, other than of course your company? Um, yeah. But like, <laughs> if you want to like call out, is there anything in particular that you noticed lately? Uh, you know what? I know this is going to sound like the the safe way out, but I have to just say, it, whoever, anyone in the manufacturing business that's able to complete a project and put a final product out from beginning to end, I tip my hat to because that <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a stressful it's a stressful yeah. job to to coordinate something from beginning to end mm-hmm. and to um, you know make a product and, and you know like i said we never know we never know the timelines we never know the budgets we never know what was asked for from a company to make a specific figure mm-hmm. um so you know when i see certain things out there those are all factors i used to get mad at before was like oh how come they made this so cheaply or why is this like that but when you start to understand the industry and you understand the pressures involved and at times the obstacles you have to try to get over in a timely manner uh, you kind of understand why certain things may have been made a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's that, that's kind of what I would say about that. But if I do need to choose someone, I mean, I'm huge. <laughs> I am a fan of um, I'm a fan of these guys, the the big old giant turtles that NECA put out. I think they're dead on. Um, they're dead oh, on yeah, like likeness great. to the movie turtles. I think they did a good job with those. Um, I think that. Um, I, I, I'm a fan. You know, I have a lot of the Star Wars, the Black series. I'm so excited to see six-inch figures come out uh, of all those characters. And, you know, some are good. Some, I think, you know, the paint could be a little better on or certain things sure. could be better without calling them out. But uh, <laughs> for the most part, it, it's, 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 fun to, it's fun to see a, the action figures are now starting to flood the market again since for a while there, it, there, were, there was less and less of six-inch figures. 
Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a very generous answer, very kind, and uh, we'll we'll ask you that again <laughs> offline. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm the same way, There's, honestly, with movies. Like, I yes. pretty much love like almost all movies. It's oh, hard for yeah, me to hate on a me. movie. It's hard for me. That's yeah, me. it's hard for me to hate on a movie. I'm always like, ah, someone put time and effort to edit it. Someone put time and effort to make it to act. I, I I'll find some good in it. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I go into it. I, I think I go into every movie going, I hope I love this. Right. You know, right, right. not like what we've seen with Solo, where there's all this weird press around it going into it and everything. Like, I'm always like, I hope this is my next favorite movie. Favorite, yeah. And I think Definitely. that that helps. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't get a chance to really talk about this, but I'll go over it briefly. Uh, but before I do, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Oh, thank you. You're this, welcome. It's been great to get to know you. I know we've spoken a few times in the past, um, but this is great to really um, get to know you better. And I do really appreciate your time. But for all of you that are listening that aren't already following Miguel, we will leave links to his work um, in our show notes and all the ways you can follow him. And we mentioned this before or a few times in this episode he will be at DesignerCon, and this year it is in Anaheim at the Anaheim Convention Center in November. Um, but if you're following us, we will, I'm sure, be bombarding you with posts um, about the the dates and what we will be having for sale at DesignerCon. Is there anything coming up before DesignerCon that Hmm. Be I, I will be at Comic-Con, but I will not have a booth, but I'll be roaming around. I actually probably am going to have some stickers. I'll try to ha- I always try to carry stickers on me, whether it's uh, past designs I've done or Rad Retro Michael or maybe Prince this year. But so that way, if I run into people and they're like, hey, I like your work on Instagram or I run into friends, it's like, hey, here's some stickers. I always so people see me, you know, please stop me, say hello, and uh, I'll probably have some stickers for you. So I'll be at Comic-Con. Cool. Um, and then, uh, after Comic-Con, I'm pretty much just going to be gearing up till, till November hits for designer con, trying to get prints all set and ready. Coming fast. Right. Awesome. Yes. So we will, we'll be there as well. We'll see you at designer con. I'm excited. We're also getting ready for all of our releases at the squared. All right. Looking forward to it. Slash Jared. (laughs) Um, uh, but yeah, so I'm excited for that. Um, but I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you later. Thank you all. Thank you guys.